In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A new year of our Lord Jesus Christ is upon us. And we know that all time belongs to Him. All time. Every Easter, as the priest blesses the Paschal candle, he says these profound words. Christ yesterday and today, beginning and end, Alpha and Omega, all times are his and all ages. To him be glory and dominion through all ages of eternity. Amen. All times are his and all ages. Furthermore, at every Holy Mass, at the minor elevation, the priest prays through him, with him, and in him, be unto thee, O God, the Father Almighty, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory for all ages of ages. Amen. So, all time, all ages belong to him. May all the months and days of our life in this year belong to him too. Speaking of time and what to do with it, when Pope Paul III was convoking the great council of Trent, the greatest council the church has ever known, after many frustrating delays, he noted, while watching for the hidden time, the time of thy good pleasure, O Lord, we were at last forced to conclude that all time is pleasing to God when there is question of deliberation on holy things and on such as pertain to Christian piety. Pope Paul III, 16th century. Now, are you looking for something to do this year that is pleasing to our Lord? Something to redeem the time? Here it is. Deliberate on holy things and practice Christian piety. On Sunday, we meditated upon the profound saying of Dostoevsky, active love is a harsh and fearful thing as compared to love in dreams. Active love is a harsh and fearful thing as compared to love in dreams. Now, active love is the way of the Lamb, the way of Calvary. The way is on display in today's gospel with the first shedding of our Lord's most precious blood. Circumcision. The love of dreams, on the other hand, is where we project upon the world our dreamy ideals, flights of fancy, thereby carving out for ourselves, as it were, an emotional and psychological pit from which it is hard to escape. We set up for ourselves false expectations, and when they don't work out, what happens? We get angry, we get frustrated. Now, keeping this distinction in mind between active love and love and dreams, in contemplating the new year that is upon us, what I would want for you is to be able to walk the way of the Lamb, the way of active love, to be able to endure any and all, each and every trial, tribulation that may be sent your way this year without losing your peace. That is what I want for you this year. Would that you could handle anything that comes and not lose your peace. 
In a word, I would love it if we would all be unflappable. Unflappable. That would be what one of the desert fathers calls ambidextrous. Yes, ambidextrous. That is where one can use either the left hand or the right hand without any difficulty as if they're the same. Ambidextrous. The desert father Abba Theodore explains this using the book of Judges, wherein he notes that Ehud, or in the Hebrew, Ehud, is described as the one who used the left hand as well as the right. That's in Judges 3.15. Now, Abba Theodore sees in this ambidexterity of Ehud, that is, his ability to use either hand, as a virtue. A virtue to handle both what is good and fortunate, things of the right hand, as well as what is bad and unfortunate, things of the left hand, without wavering. In other words, we make all things favorable and unfavorable, good and bad, work out for the best. In order to make his meaning clearer, the saint names for his right hand his spiritual achievements. Here he describes how with a fervent spirit he gets the better of his desires and passions. How he is freed from all attacks of the devil and without any effort or any difficulty rejects and cuts off all carnal sins. When he is exalted above the earth and regards all things present and earthly as smoke and vain shadows and scorns them as what is about to pass away. Here then, a person is in a state of consolation. Consolation. Things of the right hand. Consoling things. But, as we know too well, when we embrace the active love, the way of the Lamb, that is so harsh and fearful to our poor fallen nature, we also have many trials to endure. So, he explains how things of the left hand happen when he is entangled in the toils of temptation. When he is inflamed with the heat of desire for carnal passions and lusts. When he is set on fire by emotion towards rage and anger. When he is overcome by being puffed up with pride or vainglory. When he is oppressed by a sorrow that worketh death. When he has lost all spiritual warmth and grows indifferent with a sort of lukewarmness and unreasonable grief. So that not only is he forsaken by good and kindling thoughts. But actually the Psalms, prayers, reading and retirement to his cell all weigh upon him. Even going to church is hard for him. And all virtuous exercises seem by an intolerable and horrible loathing to have lost their savor. Yikes! You ever feel like that? Here then, a person is in a state of desolation. These are things of the left hand. Consoling things right, desolating things on the left. Now, Abba Theodore teaches that the faithful soul should seize the armor of God, of patience, and practice himself in virtue, using both hands to fight. 
both hands. Now he gives Job, not surprisingly, as a good example. On the right hand, Job was rich. He had children, ten in all, seven boys and three girls, and material wealth. Remember, he had sheep and ox and asses and camels. But he was also spiritually awake and active as is seen by his making sacrifices and prayers for his children, lest they die in sin. He was awake. And we also know that he was a father of the poor. A father to the poor. Now, on the left hand, the adversary Satan came and in a moment took away everything but his wife and his own very life. But Job, being ambidextrous, turned it into a blessing, saying, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. As it hath pleased the Lord, so it it is done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is more, Job preserved his patience unshaken through the long ordeal that followed, the attacks of his friends. He did not fall into despair or blasphemy or murmuring against his creator. What is more, he sought to make this ordeal even more of the right hand. How did he do that? He voluntarily cast off his cloak, shaved his head, and fasted, sitting all the while on a dung heap in voluntary nakedness, a sort of symbol of Calvary. He knew the way of the Lamb, and he took that way. Now, such men as Job are rightly termed then ambidextrous. This is what I want for you. For these people can use either hand as the right hand. And passing through those things which St. Paul enumerates by honor and dishonor. They're unflappable by honor and dishonor, by evil report or good report. Someone talking bad about you? Someone talking well about you? You can handle either. In another place, St. Paul states, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content therewith. I know both how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all these things in him who strengtheneth me. So we too shall be ambidextrous when neither abundance or good things of this world nor want or bad things affect us so much that we lose our peace. Neither things of the right hand nor things of the left hand. When the right hand things do not entice us to the luxury of a dangerous carelessness, a lukewarmness, while the things of the left hand do not draw us unto despair and complaining, But when giving thanks to God in either case alike, we gain one and the same advantage out of good and bad. Thank you, God. Whatever it is, we thank God. Such is the ambidextrous soul that we're called to be. To know how to profit from what is of the right as well as from the left. How do we do it? Two ways. One, pray to love your cross. Every day. Lord, 
help me love my cross. Number two, thank you, God, for everything that comes your way, whether it be a cross or a consolation. Give thanks. St. Alphonsus gives an example of this in the life of a holy monk whose external religious observance was the same as that of the other monks. He was seemingly the same. There's this monk, but he attained such sanctity that often the mere touch of his garments healed the sick. Marveling at these deeds, since his life was no more exemplary, so it seemed, than the lives of the other monks, the abbot asked him one day, what was the cause of these miracles? He replied that he too was mystified and was at a loss how to account for such happenings. So the abbot asked him, what devotions do you practice? What are you doing? He answered that there was little or nothing special that he did beyond making a great deal of willing only what God willed. And that God had given him the grace of abandoning his will totally to the will of God. Prosperity does not lift me up, nor adversity cast me down, he said to the abbot. I direct all my prayers to the end that God's will may be done fully in me and by me. Then the abbot asked, What about that raid that our enemies made against us the other day? In which our storehouses were plundered, our granaries put to the torch, and our cattle driven off. Did not this misfortune cause you any resentment? No, Father, came the reply. On the contrary, I return thanks to God, as is my custom in such circumstances, fully persuaded that God does, not, God does all things or permits all things that happen for his glory and for our greater good. Thus I'm always at peace, no matter what happens. That's what I want for you. Seeking such uniformity with the will of God, such ambidexterity, the abbot no longer wondered why the monk worked so many miracles. Let that be our resolution this year. Pray to love your cross every day. Thank God for all that you've received, including your crosses. All times are Christ our kings and all ages. To him be glory and dominion through all ages of eternity. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.